you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Smith going deep downfield and open and making the catch for the touchdown. Tyreek Hill. And the hole opens up for Charkandrick West. And Hill is off to the races and he is going to go all the way. Tyreek Hill, that is a 78-yard return. Little December football with major playoff implications. Chiefs take out the Raiders 21-13 in a frigid night in Kansas City, and it just had that meaningful December feel to it. Chris Wesseling and I was loving seeing my boy Tyreek Hill light up the scoreboard and the defense of the Chiefs ultimately finish off this Raiders offense. What 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 stuck with you? I think it was Alex Smith's out-of-body experience. Ooh, in the first half, yes. Turned into a mad bomber attacking down the field, slicing and dicing a Raiders <laughs> defense that allows the most yards per play in the NFL. Well, it, it's interesting. Last week, he hit a couple shot plays, which he has not done all season against Atlanta. And then this week, he does it. I, I believe the stat from PFF, he's, he hit three of his five passes of the season that traveled over 30 yards in the air in this game. All of them were massive. And the reality is the Chiefs have outplayed the Raiders both times they played. And Alex Smith outplayed Derek Carr in both of those games. How about that? Give the defense credit for the Chiefs. Uh, you pointed out that it three turnovers that the Raiders forced in Chiefs territory accounted for three points and 14 total yards. Woo! That is some outstanding defense under pressure. And that cornerback trio of Marcus Peters, Steven Nelson, and Terrence Mitchell, one as decisively as I can remember <laughs> against a wide receiver core, 26 targets for 62 yards, which wow. is anemic as you will ever hear. We weird game for Amari Cooper and Carr, you know, the young leaders. Carr said after the game his pinky was fine. He said it was not a factor. I don't believe that for a minute. I, I don't either. You know, to his credit, he, he wasn't making any excuses, just said they got to be back and be better. Drops were definitely a factor. Uh, Cooper 
just kind of stopped on a ball that looked like it could have been a long touchdown. He said after the game, the ball moved on him late in that play. I don't know what happened there. That's incredible. Because why? What else would the explanation be? But he wasn't. Carr threw short of the sticks too many times. Misfired on easy throws. And we sat here a month and a half ago saying that Brock Osweiler's performance against the Broncos (laughs) when he averaged just over three yards per attempt on 41 attempts was one of the worst we've seen. Derek Carr averaged 2.85 yards on 41 attempts, which is the second lowest figure of the Super Bowl era. What? Really? Yes. Period? 2.85 yards. I I thought I saw something. I mean, this was a Jamarcus Russell level stat line. Uh, I think there were extenuating circumstances, as we've already mentioned, but that does not take any credit away from the Chiefs. The defense was put in a bad spot again and again, and they kept delivering. As you said, the Raiders had 13 drives in this game, only ended up with 244 yards. And for, for all the troubles the Raiders defense had, they only gave up two touchdowns. I mean, Tyreek Hill had the punt return touchdown. The second half, the Chiefs did not get on the scoreboard, and the Raiders' defense delivered two beautiful turnovers. So this is a game where it's not on the offensive line of the Raiders. They played well. They ran the ball very well. Enough with Chris Collins were, you know, bringing up Kelechi Osemele every two seconds. They ran the ball much better than the first matchup when they didn't, when they had Osemele. So they ran it. They protected Carr. The defense played well enough to win. It was all on Carr and, and the passing game. And uh, for the Chiefs, we have bemoaned for a few years now their lack of playmakers. Mm. If you're still bemoaning that lack of playmakers, you're not paying close enough attention because Tyreek Hill is a difference maker. And it took a Jeremy Macklin groin injury for the Chiefs to feature Travis Kelsey in their passing game. And he's now got four straight 100-yard games, just the third tight end ever to do that. Without Rob Gronkowski this year, he's now the best tight end in the league. Yeah, he he's the best one left without a doubt and and their playmakers are on both sides. You know, Justin Houston Absolutely. didn't have a monster game, but he had a good game and he got a big time uh hit of Derek Carr in a key spot late in the game. Marcus Peters Quiet night relatively was beaten at least one time deep by, by Jalen Richard, but he made a great leaping uh deflection at the end. So they've got they've got playmakers and they've got coaches. And they showed tonight, too. You know, it's not just all about turnovers. They won a game for the first time in 44 years where they lost the turnover battle by three. So they can win games in any kind of way, and they're now in first place in the AFC West. Unfortunately, for the second time in three years, they lose Derek Johnson to a ruptured Achilles tendon. Uh, That's a big loss, and we'll see how that affects them going forward. Hate to see that for a guy who's nearing the end of his career. Yeah, that it sucks. I mean, this is the best. Chiefs team he's been on and he was on a team with Trent Green and Priest Holmes he's been around that's a long time <laughs> so long on this team I, I would say for all the Raiders fans out there not that they need that they need uh, picking up there's a long way to go in this AFC West both of these teams have three tough games left each the Broncos are only one loss back and get to play both of these teams Again, And so I think this race can go any way. It's a huge win for the Chiefs, but it doesn't mean you just slide them into the the number two seed or the number one seed in the AFC. I know we don't give the Chiefs enough credit on this podcast traditionally. I've been thinking, trying to concoct ways over the next, over the past month that they can overcome Alex Smith's limitations. And these playmakers are the key. Mm. And Ian Rappaport reported Thursday that Jamal Charles is targeting the first week of the playoffs to return. That's another playmaker. Pretty soon you've got him coming out of your ears. 
and you can make up for Alex Smith's limitations in an AFC field that doesn't have a clear favorite. Yeah, I, I agree. And he's kind of say, showing maybe those limitations aren't as dramatic hitting some well, if you, plays the last couple weeks. If you weeks. put Tyreek Hill, Jeremy Macklin, and, and Travis Kelsey with any quarterback, yep. they should produce. So the Chiefs get a big win. Sets up a fun final few weeks in the AFC West. It's a really good week 13 slate. And for that, let's send it over to Dan Hansis and the rest of the boys. The Around the NFL podcast. Sleeps in the soft fur of Andy Reid's stash. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis. And I am joined by a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. Wrong to say that we sleep. I'm there, certainly not. There are plenty of other people in this company who are completely asleep at the wheel that we see. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. Shots fired. Yeah. You get the Bunsen burner blowtorch out early referring. today. Maybe I do. You want to name names? People will know who it applies to. Wow. Oh, if they're listening, they'll, they'll know. know. Oh, Mark's talking they're about They're not me. listening. I, I was going to get all excited about this uh, final quarter of the season. Best primetime slate uh, you know got what? going. It's funny you should say that because that's what I was going to say before Mark took us to mm. left field a little bit with the assassinations of some colleagues. Um, <laughs> what a slate. You just heard from the scientists, the Raiders. Who is it, Mark? Who are some of these people that need to be put on blast to either save their jobs or – improve their uh, their working situation for all of them. It is, not, it is not useful for anyone listening to this to know their names. Anyone inside the building, it'd be painfully obvious to the eye, the multiple people I'm discussing if you work inside the building. Painfully obvious to the eye. Last question. Would any of our listeners know any of the people that are on this hit list that you have? Can't say. Won't say. Okay. The mailman and NFL Network's Greg Rosenthal – just talked to you about Raiders and Chiefs, but that is not the only great primetime game. This is maybe the best slate of primetime games ever in the Thursday, oh. Sunday, Monday era. I'm going to say it because I love the Sunday night matchup, uh, Cowboys at Giants. And then you got Ravens at Pats on Monday night. Beautiful stuff. Um, a big week of NFL action. No, no teams on by for the rest of the season. So we have 15 games to talk about here. And uh, I don't know, guys. Unless we have anything, Mark, unless you have anything else to add, maybe we'll just get right into it. I think the schedule makers who taken a lot of critique this year are given the big middle finger to everyone this week. You couldn't be more right. This is a great slate of games. And how about one last note here before we get going? We are 7-1 and one in our last eight locks of the week. And, uh, and, Ooh, I better come up with one. And, and Wes and I both pick teams that beat teams that were riding six-game winning streaks. So now the stakes are raised. <laughs> and uh, also the stakes are raised for Wessling, who uh, went viral. Uh, how does how does Wes the showman take this? Is he going to, so he going to scream louder? Because I don't, I don't know. Can. Yeah. There is no Wes the showman. See, Wes likes to pretend. Wes <laughs> pretends like, oh, this is all me being natural. I'm just who I am. No, there's a showman there, and he's he's been plotting it all week, just like he's had his lock of the week locked up since Sunday night, and he's pretending, oh, let me pick one out because this is all just a farce to me, ultimately. I've plotted. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's what you have to match, showman. Freddie Mercury. I've plotted the nothing. podcasts. Plotted nothing except the Giants' demise this year. 
<laughs> There's one lock he could do. Winter is coming. All right, here we go. Let's get into it and let's start, uh, gentlemen, uh, with a nice, saucy AFC matchup between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Buffalo Bills. And uh, the Steelers, Greg Rosenthal, um, you know, you're starting to feel a little good about them. They've had some duds this year when you start to get excited about them. Uh, but those times might be passing. And then you have the Buffalo Bills, Greg, who they're a frisky team. You never know what to expect. How do you see this one playing out? I, I like the Steelers' chances, and I like to think this is one of the big games in Tyrod Taylor's career. Really, the next four weeks, we, we were talking about it downstairs, Dan, kind of his future. You were surprised that he's taken so much heat. He has this option in his contract where they can get out of the contract very easily after this season, and if, if they keep him, he's going to be paid it's, like a top-shelf guy. It's a big story up in Western New York right now. It's gotten to Tyrod Taylor a little bit, who's been curt with the media. Uh, he doesn't like all the criticism, and I know that he's been a little hot and cold this year, but I've seen games of Tyrod Taylor where I look at him like, as a Jets fan. I'm like, I wish I had that guy. He could be ex- explosive. So I'm a little surprised that it seems like he's playing for his Bills future right now. I think he's hot and cold because he has very strong, strong points and some quite obvious weaknesses. I, I think, you know, Greg has said, and I think you've echoed this, that he's the best running quarterback in the NFL. I believe it's Russell Wilson, but – Either way, that's a strength, and the Bills, because of Tyrod Taylor, have the statistically best-running attack in the NFL, but also he walks his way into sacks, holds the ball too long, doesn't doesn't see the middle of the field, and has trouble getting the ball to his number one receiver. I think we forget how brief his career has been, too, as a starter, and to have gone from essentially a bench position behind Joe Flacco in Baltimore, where you never played, to what he's done in Buffalo – I, you know, Rex Ryan was attracted to Tyrod Taylor because he's always liked running quarterbacks because he knows as a defensive coach that it's harder to prepare for that type of quarterback. Now, you know, he's never had a 300-yard game. Is it game. really, though? Is, I, I'm is, saying, it's harder if wait, they have do a Do I think that? I'm not a football coach, so I don't know the answer to that. But Rex Ryan certainly believes that because it's consistent through his whole career. Quarterbacks he's tried to bring in, gadget players he tried to bring in to do Wildcat five years after the Wildcat and any relevance in the NFL – the fact that this is like the fourth or fifth time that Rex Ryan is non-endorsed, Tyrod Taylor is disruptive. Well, it, it's tricky because he's obviously better than many starting quarterbacks. Maybe he's even right in the in the middle because of those strengths. But I think you're seeing some of the limitations because everything else on their offense is working out perfectly. They are literally on pace to set a record of turning the ball over. Uh, the fewest amount of times. So you're not going to get any better than that. They're the number one running game in the league. And yet I, when I watched that game against the Raiders, it reminded me of the Bills Eagles last year where Taylor played a pretty solid game, but it was the game they needed to win to stay in the playoff race. And their last three or four drives, he could not make a throw. And that was what happened in that Raiders game. He, He was missing throws. And I think you see the limitations of is, are you worried this is the ceiling for this offense? The, the biggest joke attached to this, though, is the idea you're just going to get rid of Tyrod Taylor and Buffalo is going to quickly go find a franchise quarterback. Not that's, that easy. That's why I'm so I surprised. Mean, I agree with he's you 100%. He's an imperfect quarterback, but he's a guy that's flashed things, and maybe he gets better, or maybe he stays where he is, and he's the 17th or 18th best quarterback. There could be worse things if you're a team that prides yourself on the running game of defense. Isn't it a $27 million option? Yeah, and it's it's really over a couple years. So for those two years, he'll get paid in over twenty million a year, and he'll be you know a, a real top quarterback. Right, and a competitive have liability. Option. And this is a tough matchup. 
Uh, I know you've been getting excited watching the young Steelers secondary, which is coming around a little. Sean bit. Davis making plays, and I think Artie Burns is doing well. Even an old veteran like William Gay is having a good year. This secondary was supposed to be the Achilles heel of this defense, and I don't think it has been lately. And and I think Ben Roethlisberger, who has been really up and down this year for Ben Roethlisberger, I don't think it's been one of his best years. He's stabilized the last three weeks or so. It's kind of a nice, boring Ben Roethlisberger, I mean, and that's good. By the way, I, the Bills are tough at home, but I, I have a hard time not remembering what happened a week ago in the second half against the Raiders. I mean, you, the floor absolutely fell out on this defense. And the Steelers, when they are on, are not unlike New England. They can attack you week to week in such completely different ways. One way we're going to go completely le- – one week we'll, uh, totally Le'Veon Bell. Next week completely through the air. And it's, it's – Buffalo, I think who, it's a tough spot for Buffalo. Game, I have Pittsburgh. How confident are you? I am so confident <laughs> that I am going to. Are you? I'm going to lock it up. <laughs> I'm not going to try to top Wes's gigantic scream from the middle of the earth. I just like I'm gonna, I just like you almost forgot. Yeah, that. I had to give you like seven memory prompts there. Oh, wait. Can I say one thing <laughs> about our lock it up uh, game plan? Yeah, let's hear it. We got another bushel of lollipops at this point. Thank you very much to Joseph Breen and a mystery uh, sender as well who that might have just not. Sounds dangerous. Have we checked for razor blades? I've looked at one of the lollipops, and the flavor is breast milk. What? That is the flavor of the there lollipop. Was an NFL Network figure, That's NFL disgusting. media figure downstairs that jumped at the opportunity to uh, to A shadow big figure. He is the one of the people down. in my anti-dog house. He's in my positive checklist. All right. So I gave him a breast milk flavored lollipop. <laughs> what is he in your positive checklist? My positive checklist anti doghouse. Man, you're just you're settling scores and and letting people know who's on your team and who's against. He's on my like team. Uh, but at, at the same time, very secretive as well. It's like you're letting us know everything and nothing at all. You're like NFL, it's the best way to operate. NFL media Santa Claus. You have a naughty and nice. <laughs> Let's uh, move on. Again, seven and one in our locks of the week. Uh, since week 13, let's keep it going, fellas, since week 12. Uh, the Denver Broncos at 8-4 and four, coming off um, a ho-hum 2010 win over the Jaguars after, of course, that Sunday night uh, painful loss to the Chiefs. So they bounce back there. They're 8-4 and four, but need to keep winning here. And now they travel uh, to Tennessee, uh, Mark Sessler, to face uh, a Titans team that with Marcus Mariota in the last, you know, I'd say two months now, are a dangerous team and a team that you cannot – uh, take lightly, especially if you're on the road. The good news is Trevor Simeon looks like he's on the path to be back in the lineup. Man, they need Trevor Simeon back. And that's something I never thought I would have said back in April, February, March. I Watching Paxton Lynch last week, that offense just was extremely limited. And it's not just, it's not just him. They were playing around him to some degree. But they are now talking about Justin Forsett, who's been dumped by two teams as they split the carries lead back in Denver shows you how Yikes. desperate that ground game is. And they, they just, I think losing Capri Bibbs, who showed it, I, he's, he had some good quickness. I, I thought he was, he was, he was a, responsible for their one touchdown drive. I mean, he, right. I mean, he, he willed himself into the end zone with some help of some linemen, but their ground game. If you're Denver, if you're Gary Kubiak, you want to be closer to what the Titans are. We want to control the game on the ground and they don't seem to their offensive line as Greg, you guys have mentioned for weeks is a major issue and you cannot 
run on teams the way you want to. This game is quietly fascinating to me. This is I know, a great game. I, I know all, game. all the primetime ones, but really, this is Tennessee's chance to make a move. Right. This is the defending Super Bowl champions, and this is the easiest game left on their schedule. Uh, They've got the Chiefs, Jaguars, and Texans. So I'd oh, say they still have the ja- I Do the Broncos still have the Jaguars? Uh, oh, the, no, I'm talking Titans. Sorry, I mean it's the easiest game left on the Broncos schedule, yeah. and yet they have so little going for them offensively. But last week I, I kind of talked about on the defense. All right, if you're the Super Bowl defense, you've had some things go against you lately. Let's start winning some games on their own, and they did. It was against Jacksonville. Thank you. I don't count it, that. Yeah, come on. But this is no lollipops, lollipops for that one. No lollipops. Well, I'm going to give did, them a lollipop. You know what? They did get the, the Jaguars had 16 drives in that game. They had to win the game on their own. They scored 10 points on their own. There was no difference between the Jaguars and the Broncos. The only difference is the Denver defense scores. This is a team that's setting a record in terms of QB hits per game. So it's obviously a great defense, and they're going up against one of the toughest guys to get to, one of the best offensive lines, and that's why it's an exciting matchup. That's all. Since week six, Marcus Mariota has the highest passer rating, the most touchdowns, and the Titans have the highest scoring offense in the NFL. Greg, you made the point before the show, they haven't faced a defense like the Broncos yet. They haven't really been tested nearly to the extent they will in this game. But the Broncos' defense has been giving up runs. Yep. They're not great against the run, and DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry are coming at them after a week and a half to prepare for this game. I, I think this is a good matchup. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Derrick Henry finished out that game, too. I mean, the, the last game they played against Indianapolis, it was interesting to see him he in should there finish at, at out crunch game. time. Denver's defense, if they really want to – really threatened to repeat here. They're going to have to get more dominant because as good as Trevor Simeon looked against Kansas City, you, you don't want to put too much on his plate and be like, we need Trevor Simeon to come back and save the day. He's it's it's very similar to saying from here on out, you've got to do what you did last year. That is that right. is and not this, easy for NFL teams to do two no, years in a row. Ask your defense rather than the young quarterback. Right, but this right. is – if there's a, a secondary that can do it, this is it. I mean – Last week, Chris Harris, who's having another amazing year, uh, he's going to have to match up maybe against Rashard Matthews, who's played well. They're going to try Roby. to figure out a way to you know stop Delaney Walker. These are two teams that are very different late in games, though. Broncos plus 78 in the fourth quarter. Tennessee's hasn't closed well. Didn't close out the Bears. Were very lucky to win that game. Had two chances to beat the Colts late in that game. Couldn't get any points on the board. So the Broncos are a confident team late in games. Let's move on, gentlemen. Talk the Washington Redskins traveling to Philadelphia to face the Eagles, who uh, you know are looking very bad right now. Lost 32-14 to Cincinnati last week. And the Redskins, uh, we're all fans of the Redskins and, and the fact that they're an exciting offense, Wes. Uh, but they're 6-5-1, and one, and they cannot afford to slip up uh, here against the Philly team that seems like it's on the verge of irrelevance. Yeah, I think you have to say the Redskins have to be the heavy favorites in this game because when you watch the Eagles' offense, it feels like you're watching the Jaguars' offense. I'm not saying Carson Wentz is Blake Bortles, but right now with his mechanical flaws, six batted passes last week, which you never, ever see in the NFL. Six batted passes at the line of scrimmage. Three interceptions, three more dropped by the Bengals. I'll never pick the Eagles' offense. I'll never pick the Eagles to win again this year until I see signs this offense is turning around. And they're they're playing a, a defense that isn't great, but they're not. They don't have to be great because you would expect the Redskins' offense to eat in this game. I mean, where has the Philadelphia Eagles' defense been? That's where we forget how much teams change during the season. It's a top five defense early in the season. They've been a bad defense for about five 20, or six weeks now. Twenty-eight points a game in the last three weeks alone, but it goes back further than that. A little bit of a Pierre Garcon and 
Deshaun Jackson revival going on in Washington. I expected, you know, kind of hearing about the game that Kirk Cousins maybe played worse than I thought in Arizona. He played fine. Yeah, the pressure got to him. There was a lot of pressure on Kirk Cousins last week, and they got to be concerned with that. A lot of injuries. Huge if they get Jordan Reed back. I mean, I, I think that he is the centerpiece of that offense. He is Cousins' security blanket on many levels. And I, I'm with you. Wes wrote a great piece on Carson Wentz uh, this week about his issues, his many issues. But it's 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 like the Eagles feel like the season's a little bit of a wrap. I don't I don't quite know where they're going at this point. They've got a lot to address in the off season. I'm going to give you a little fantasy fantasy corner. Well, you're going on the corner. Yeah, I'm going on the corner. I haven't been over here in a while. Picked up a little nugget. Carson Wentz leads the NFL in pass attempts over the past three weeks, but he ranks 24th in fantasy output. <laughs> What's your conclusion? My conclusion is, if you think in your little fantasy playoffs, which hopefully ends soon enough, that you're going anywhere with this guy in your team. Well, nobody's starting Carson Wentz. So it's that's why he's on the corner. That's, that's why that's I'm out here on the corner. On the corner. <laughs> Listen, yeah. this time there were no it's cold out there. There were it? no clear homicides <laughs> on the corner this time, which is an upgrade from August. So, what part of town are you hanging out in? I don't know. They need to. They dropped me off here in a cab. I was blindfolded. <laughs> they got to keep. They got to keep working with Wentz in the offseason. They got to get some weapons, which I'm sure they will. There's been some buzz about Deshaun Jackson making a Philly return. Strange. Uh, which that would be strange. ridiculous. Well, here's a stat: Carson Wentz has zero touchdowns and seven interceptions on downfield throws in his last nine games. So they obviously need somebody to stretch the field uh, to help this kid out. So let's keep an eye on. Uh, what happens next with young Carson Wentz? Moving on. Guys, no one locked that one up. Oh, I have to pick a lock. <laughs> the showman. Uh, this is all. This is all willy nilly to I me. Have no idea. You know. You know. I don't take it serious. Just everyone. Make sure everyone knows that. I don't take it serious at all. I. Yeah, you did. You picked it last Sunday night. You stuck. I'm staring last at this Sunday now, night. trying to find. I see right through you, Wes. The Arizona Cardinals at Miami Dolphins. Uh, look out for the Cardinals, I say, Greg Rosenthal, team that uh, really was looking like them old, their old selves against Washington last week. And then he got the Dolphins on the other side. Uh, you know, big, big spot for them. Uh, the old Zeuser predicted a December swoon. They certainly looked like that in week 13. Are we going to see more Dolphins suckage this week? <laughs> I think so. It really shows you how little we believe in the Dolphins because it's one of the games that we picked on our NFL Pick'em show airing every Saturday. Look at you. 8.30 Eastern. Look at you. Then 12.30 Eastern, and then 1.30 in the morning Eastern. I was told I had the wrong times last week. You guys gave me credit. That explains the ratings. You've got to prioritize this show. I know it's the holiday season. It's a nice time to be with children and wives and husbands. Ditch them and watch all three episodes. Lock it in all day long. (laughs) Tell them to go to the mall. Yeah, DVR it. It's all good. Season pass. I prefer a live watch. We all picked picked the Cardinals. I don't think we need to, you know, Stay away from spoiling this game. It's because we want to believe in this Why Cardinals team. Why did you team. do this? Okay, go ahead. Keep we want to believe in this Cardinals team. Uh, we, we see what they did last week, and it gets our juices flowing because they were aggressive okay. like they were last year. They blitzed Kirk Cousins like crazy, and for the most part, it worked. They knocked him out of his rhythm. They go for it on fourth down in their own ends. They were aggressive offensively, and you're thinking maybe this team's not done yet. 
The worst part about this when we all agree on a game is that we think... We're always wrong. No, the listeners always think that like we have strong feelings on it, and we don't really. I don't think that the Cardinals are a lock to beat Miami no. at all. I think this is a pick em game. I think it's a coin flip. I just kind of like, like you said, that the Cardinals were aggressive. They were going for the jugular late in that game. And if you haven't seen David Johnson's run in the middle of the field where he looked like mm. a gazelle on snow skis... Mm. Like Kent Summers, the Arizona Republic, said, I've never seen a running back slalom down the field before. I've never seen a running back make that move before. I, it was incredible. You know, Mark, to, to not to go on your corner, but my fantasy season ended without a playoff berth because of my Marcus Mariota decision. Uh, but I will say, well, that having David Johnson, that was my favorite fantasy season I've ever had from a player. <laughs> what a brilliant year for 12 straight, 13 straight weeks. What a stud. And he'll go number one in every draft next year. Yeah, and Miami is the worst, the second worst run defense at home of any team in the league. So the idea that David Johnson's going to finally get shut down, what is 100-plus yards of scrimmage, 12 games this season. Why doesn't anyone try to treat him the way Belichick did with Marshall Falk back in, what was it, Super I Bowl teams have tried. 36 or something? Can't stop this, man. You this, just can't. It'll be interesting to see how the Dolphins respond. I mean, they were overmatched physically. I never would have seen that coming. I know you you thought the Dolphins might crash, but thirty eight to six. Who ever heard of us? They would a team on a six game winning streak losing thirty eight to six, well, and they were pushed around. How there was nothing at, fluky in about this it. current NFL? Thirty eight. Why to is six. anything that surprising? I'm just being honest. That it's it was like that, none of these results are that surprising. When I, I think. Wins and losses aren't surprising. Beatdowns like that where both sides of the ball were absolutely destroyed was surprising. And maybe it exposed something. Kiko Lonzo's now uh, out in this game, and their linebackers were so bad as it was in the first place. Here Here are their linebackers right now. Spencer Pacinger, Mike Hull, Not and real. Donald Butler, who's Thank been you. on three different teams lately. Thank so. You. You can you can expose this group. I mean, uh, Dan loves this because Dan, uh, with an ongoing issue with our friend, yeah. NFL UK hand cancel. Is he on any of your lists? No, he's he's, he's just off the. He's on your. List. He's not he's, on your positive. I don't, list? I don't. He's on my positive list, but I mean, I it kind of sticks in my craw a little bit that every time I go up to the third floor, the IT's up there, my keyboard. Uh, ran out of batteries today, and I see not one but two <laughs> young just new batteries. Two young <laughs> servants bringing uh, multiple food dishes into what? Henry's office. Yeah, servants. it's ridiculous. Well, I don't know what to call them. What They're serving this? him. Were they the guys like the greased up, muscle bound guys with just the bow ties on? One was male, one was female. He's very well dressed. He's not going to like this. Henry's not going to like this coming up again. I just going to let you know he's he's becoming more and more powerful in this company. <laughs> And I'm distancing myself right now. Now, let me tell you something here. The Dolphins, who are Hank's team, uh, yeah, 38-6, who saw that coming? But the Dolphins, for all their glory run, uh, weren't really, you know, kicking anybody's butt during that stretch. It no, was, but they have some good players. They made, Yeah, they have some nice players, but it wasn't like they were playing out of their minds uh, uh, during that winning streak. They were just sort of stringing together some wins. Nice job by them. And I'll tell you what. Wait a second. I did it last week. Whoa! Uh-oh. What's and coming never, here? And I never look back. I said the Dolphins that in December, dung. dung, and I think they're going to continue to be dung. And you know what else I think? You're going to do it? <laughs> well, Greg already said the Cardinals are going to. That I said the Cardinals are going to win, but I'm going to lock it up. <laughs> lock it up again. Come at me, Dolphins fans. You don't want that. Well, I didn't say you were. I didn't know you were going to lock it up. I locked it up. <laughs> Can I offer a rejoinder to the fantasy community? Yes. Want to head out to the corner? Yeah. 
Yeah, slum it out on the corner. Go ahead. Let me yell this from the street. I thought, I thought you you're in the lab, aren't you? You yeah. don't need to go to the yell corner. this from the mount that's, from the building tops. It's for the common. Field. If you would have listened to the Around the NFL Fantasy preview this summer, you would have drafted David Johnson first overall. You group think fantasy community. Oh, we can't draft David Johnson because he hasn't broken out yet. Give me a break. He should have been the number one overall pick in uh, August. If you would have, li- <laughs> if you would have listened to our podcast too, you would have taken Blake Bortles in the third round. <laughs> that is not true. Um, but we didn't get everything right. But definitely, David Johnson is a stud. Let's move on. The Minnesota Vikings. Oh, they are the team. team Still. How dare you? I almost that, forgot about that, that. That was not the right drop either. Let's face it. Um. Well, I don't have any concerns this week. Yeah, well, I haven't even spoken to the Vikings. It in... just feels like we're kicking a, you know, like well, you know, a wounded animal. It is what it is. Really, like, just got to give them you know a what I was... little help there. Thank you. It's over. Shout out to the Vikings Twitter account who sent out a tweet this week that said, Rosenthal, colon, Vikings can still make the playoffs. Oh, God. Thanks. I'm not giving up on you. Desperate. <laughs> Desperate two people that know the truth but don't want to see it. All right. Well, let's talk about the Vikings for a second here because – they, we have to. They had the best defensive performance, I think you could argue, by any team in the NFL all season in a primetime game, and it just kind of was quickly forgotten. I know there's special teams in their offense. What happens when you lose? I know, but it was a special team. I mean, they handed it to the Cowboys. Don't they get any credit for absolutely manhandling this offense that all we've done all season is give them credit? I mean, they were more physical. They essentially gave up 10 points on 13 drives against them. All of their guys really played well. I think maybe they were inspired for Mike Zimmer. I I really thought maybe I'm biased here. Maybe that's a performance you, you can build on that we're that good. Yeah, well, you build know, your on offense it. still scores two touchdowns a game, and that's right. It, build so. on it. I get they'll I, win this I, week. Build on it to where? That's the problem. I mean, I I think I appreciate. I don't that know. You see that 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 positive, and they did. It's play not well that big a defense. difference between other than the Cowboys, who are, who are a really good team, and the Seahawks. It's like I don't know. I could beat I, anyone. I think the Vikings have on offense found ways to to fall out of these yep. games too. It's just as much that as their is their defense. You're right. They're going to beat a team in Jacksonville because Jacksonville. I sat through this game last night on Game Pass watching them, and I got to tell you something. <laughs> Talk about a team with zero identity right now. Oh, that's, they have an that's, identity. That, that's that's number one reason why coaches are are whisked out. Utterly on offense, zero identity. You've got you've got guys that you didn't even know were on the roster making catches, leading the team in catches last week. You know it's weird too, and you don't hear about this. Minnesota is ranked third overall in defense. Jacksonville, the number four ranked defense in the NFL. Right, that's it's part that of come from? part of the tragedy of this season for the Jags is Gus Bradley's defense is coming together. I know they're not forcing turnovers, but they've been a very good defense for the last six or seven weeks, and that's all going to be thrown out the window too because he's going to get fired. Yeah, but you know, before we go and pick the Vikings here. You take a team that defense that's playing very well and put them against the Vikings offense that doesn't score points. I wouldn't assume here the Vikings are going to waltz the victory. It could play out Won't like do it. it no, could Vikings play out like are going to waltz the victory, just like every team does against the Blake Bortles. I wanted to kind of, for once, not talk about Blake Bortles during our Jaguars segment. Mm-hmm. So I'll say Telvin Smith deserves to make the Pro Bowl, and now I'll talk about Blake Bortles. <laughs> Because here's what happened in this game. Down 17-10 to 10 with five minutes left in the fourth quarter. The Jaguars called a third and ten run. Right. Down one touchdown. Then the next possession <laughs> with two minutes and 17 yeah. seconds left, they punted on fourth and six. And they got the ball With back. two minutes and 17. Trust they that have defense. zero faith in their quarterback. 
That's a problem. Well, they're running the ball much more over the last three weeks, which is a direct reflection of what you just said. Right, and TJ Yeldon's not not playing well. There's a lot of people. TJ Yeldon is such a just a guy. He's a jag. Blake Bortles is so bad that how can you evaluate a player like TJ Yeldon? How do you know if he's good or not? I totally agree with Telvin Smith, by the way. In the Broncos game, he had two or three plays that were amazing. He's been been incredible the second half of the season. And this defense has kept them in one-score games pretty much every week. Last week, you know, at the very end, it got away from them. Send Derek Marks finally made some plays, too. So their defense played well. You would expect this game to be close, and yet I just have – I just have ultimate faith in this Vikings team. I have ultimate faith in. Blake I mean, ultimate faith. I have ultimate they've faith. Lost, I, they've won one game in two. Months. I don't think this. Team, Greg is not scared of Brian Walters. I don't Walters. think this team is done yet. <laughs> or Neil Sterling. And that's why I think when they go on the road. What? Uh oh! No way! I think it's gonna happen. Out of nowhere! Wow. I've got a Liggety lock it up. Liggety lock. That was interesting. That was. Hey, so listen. Good. Hey, he workshopped it. He workshopped it live. And, uh, Locking right. up a team against the Jaguars. Without a net. How far have the Vikings sunk that we're allowed to lock up the Vikings against hey, the Jaguars? That's the, fine. You know, the, uh, the men in the desert, this isn't, exact, this isn't like a blowout type of yeah. situation. By the way, Harris, Harrison Smith not playing in this game, might not be playing the rest of the year that's with a, a, that's a, a bad ankle injury. <laughs> a uh, so keep an eye on that. Let's move on, guys. we got to keep moving. You know why? Because there's a lot of football to talk about still. The Houston Texans at 6-6. Six and six, um, lo- Losers of the last two games, including uh, Green Bay uh, last week, now travel to Indianapolis to face the Colts. We all know uh, what happened with the Colts on Monday night against the Jets. They uh, destroyed uh, New York. But you would think Houston will put up a bigger fight. This has big ramifications, Chris Wessling, in the AFC South. It has huge ramifications. And I'm looking at this game. Wondering if there's a single reason why I should pick the Texans to win. Can anyone help me out? Their their defense is better, you know, significantly than the You might Colts get Jadavian Clown. I mean, I'm struggling here, but you know, they they've got a better team defense, certainly, than than the Colts. The Col- How about this? No. Yeah. I mean Thank the Colts you. are not a consistent team, but, but- they're still at home. If this was in Houston, I would maybe be able to play that angle up. But on the road, this I mean, remember like this game the first day. time. The Colts absolutely dominated them for 55 minutes. One of the craziest comebacks of the season that, that Houston pulled off or else they'd really be buried in this division. Yeah, the Colts really manhandled that, them in that game. And, des- and they, well, I want to say they deserved to win, but they, they outplayed them and then just gave it away. Mm. You know, Do you think Bill O'Brien's a good coach? I think over the – not this yeah. season, but the two previous seasons, he did a lot with a little on offense. He uh, He's had good defensive talent all along. I think Bill O'Brien is certainly someone they should keep around. I, mean, they, I, I don't think he's a bad coach they've been all. They've been handcuffed by a terrible quarterback situation, and at one point they were 6-3 and three with no J.J. Watt. I, I could give mm. him a pass, Did but I, he's going to get just like the GM and the head coach. <clears throat> They're all going to get flushed out of town with this Brock it, Osweiler thing. Do you really think Jimmy up. Johnson's a good coach? Yeah, sure. of course. Jimmy Johnson said the worst thing you can do as a coach is not admit a mistake because then you have to look at it every day. Right. But Bill I, O'Brien refuses to admit a mistake. I don't know if he has the choice oh, right I now. I can't believe it. He well, does have a choice. That's easy everybody's for Jimmy giving, Johnson Everybody's giving now. him a pass. He does have a choice. Especially Isn't it nice when we're right, by the way? Isn't it nice when we're right about something since it, it almost never happens that when they're 6-3 and three and we're just saying this is the worst team we've ever seen, and now they've come back to 6-6, six and six, so thank you. Tim. The one thing, whenever you talk Making to coaches right. or GMs, I mean, relationships matter more than anything inside the building, and Bill O'Brien 
I don't think he can just necessarily say what we want him to say about Brock Osweiler when there's a lot more. The owner, if the owner is backing Here's Brock Osweiler, you can't just go rogue as a situation. coach and say, no, this is a huge mistake. It doesn't work that way. Here's my problem with Bill O'Brien. Hard knocks the summer before this past summer, mm-hmm. sat there and told everyone nobody respects our quarterbacks. I'm going with Brian Hoyer. It's his job. It took him three quarters <laughs> in the season opener to pull his starting quarterback. Then he spent the entire season vacillating between quarterbacks. And now because they sunk a windfall into Brock Osweiler, all of a sudden he's loyal to his starting been, quarterback. Well, the only thing, though, that doesn't connect there is that you're saying if you don't want to stare in the face of a mistake, he acted too quickly on Brian Hoyer initially last year and thought he made a mistake only to learn that he acted too quickly in that case. Yeah, been, we were killing him for pulling Brian Hoyer that quickly by the time Hoyer came back and played well last season. It's easy It's easy to admit your mistake when you haven't sunk a bunch of money into it. It's a lot harder when you say, we've got a $37 it's, million it's, dollar Lufthansa heist. Here. I hear what you're saying, but it, the problem is it's not just Bill O'Brien's mistake to own himself. If, he, if he's going to own it for the whole organization, there needs to be buy-in from the owner on down. If the owner is four days away from saying, our quarterback is fine, you see the fix that Bill O'Brien is. In. Bill O'Brien's got a coach for his job, doesn't he? A lot, he does. se- a lot of season left here. If they could somehow win this game, the Texans, which I don't expect, I wonder them if to, it will. They, they'd be a, they have a sweep over the Colts, and they get the Jags and Bengals at home in Houston the next two weeks. It's, they'd be in good shape if they could win this game. I still wonder how much Bill O'Brien, who met Brock Osweiler the day of the introductory bre- press conference, how much he even had a role in the Brock Osler coming to Houston narrative um, situation in the first place. It's just a messy situation he, down there. He sat there and said, I scouted him. I looked at every throw, and he checks all the boxes. Well, what's he supposed to say? I, well, I, I, I don't think he would have said I watched every game and every throw if he wasn't on board. With I it. think the biggest beneficiary is all the teams that might shy away from doing the same thing this offseason with the next version of Brock Osweiler. Big, big game also for Andrew Luck. He's... You know, me and him, we've been talking lately. He's noticed he's been climbing up the QB index. He's like, you know, he wants to number know, three now. He could maybe Was this get up in the NFL Network green room. He could maybe get up to number one by the end of the year. The way he's so it's going. It's the Colts really? website he could, he tweeting this out about you. At the, or, uh, you know, <laughs> we need to check in on the uh, QB index perhaps next week. Let's move on. An interconference matchup here between the San Diego Superchargers, who blew their season uh, last week against the Bucks. They're five and seven. Need to win out and get all sorts of help. Most likely now to make the playoffs. They travel to Carolina uh, to face the Panthers, who got whipped and and looked bad doing it uh, on Sunday night against the Seahawks. And, he found it. And you have to wonder, Greg, uh, at this point, is uh, is Carolina just going to pack it in this season? Yeah, this game, you know, we, we might need to catch up a little. We're, we're a little behind pace. I mean, this game has no impact anymore. The Chargers have no chance to come back, and – the most interesting thing I think right now is to watch if Cam Newton, how he plays the rest of the year. Cause I hate being the sort of Cam Newton criticism guy. He's one of my favorite. What? I, that would be new. I, right. I'm saying he's one of my favorite players, but he's not playing well. And I think it's it, a weird career when he goes from the MVP to a guy that no one would make the case is playing like a top 10 quarterback this yeah. year. I saw a disturbing nugget in our NFL research packet that Newton is the first QB to complete fewer than 50% of his throws in three straight games since a quarterback in 2013 named Josh Freeman. Josh. Wow. According to Pro Football Focus's adjusted completion percentage, the three least accurate quarterbacks in the NFL this year are Colin Kaepernick, Josh McCown, and Cam Newton. Uh, Now, I think part of it is they – 
Guys haven't been making plays for him. I think that's legit. The offensive line. Defensive they ask, backs they, haven't been making plays either. They keep dropping his interceptions. They, they also ask him to make tough throws, but he, he's just throwing off his back foot and just yep. wild and high. And, that's what he does. Let's track Cam Newton. Here's another game with not much riding on it, uh, but we will talk about it. The Cincinnati Bengals at 4-7-1 travel to Cleveland to face the Browns. And, uh, Mark, we were talking about this downstairs. The Browns now are running out of time to get that, that, that win uh, to avoid infamy. Uh, this, to you, might be their last best chance. Oh, it might be because after that you play the Steelers. That's a loss. You go on the road to, t- to the Texans, which, okay, possibly. Then you're home against the Ravens. So – you know, you you would have thought at this point you'd be dealing with three playoff-type AFC North teams. The Bengals are not that right now. I still don't like the matchup for Cleveland. And I, I understand why they're playing Griffin. They want to get a look at him. And Hugh Jackson desperately wants a win. But as a Browns fan, and I may not – other Browns fans may disagree with me. I don't know. I don't understand. The same way you don't really see Fitzpatrick on the Jets having any use at this point for New York, I don't, I don't see Griffin as the future of the Browns. I don't know what they're doing. I think maybe if if I had to take a guess at it is Hugh and he's emotional and everyone is feeling the pressure now. He still believes that RG3 can be a guy that can provide a spark and thinks maybe he's the guy to steal this win. Well, you've been through every other quarterback and he was your week one starter that went out by injury. I think that, that, you know, this is a bad matchup. Cincinnati has found ways. in that game, it's worth noting. In that week one? I think plenty of quarterbacks for Cleveland have had better starting weeks than RG3 did in week one. 100%. We have no reason to believe that RG3 is a good quarterback, nor do we have any reason to believe he can stay healthy for four quarters of a football game. And one note on the Bengals, they benched uh, 2015 first-round right tackle Cedric Abouye and for the first time all year did not allow a sack. It, a real optimist could point that, you know, no A.J. Green here. You get Tyler Boyd, who's looked good the last few weeks. Maybe Cody Core becomes something. You know, maybe you build up something in these last few weeks. Rex Burkhead looks good. Get them some I, I think Tyler Eifert will blow up. One quick note. I talked to our friend Peter Schrager from Good Morning Football. Wow. Listens to the Name show. Drop. Well, he listens to the show, and he remembered that you mentioned him in a couple shows ago, Greg. But he was down on the Bengals' <laughs> sideline, and he said that you get, a, you get a different perspective of some of the players down there. He, talk, he saw Vontae's perfect and said that it was the most disruptive player that he's maybe ever seen in person. He had an awesome game last week. Perfect. Come back to us, that, Peter Schrager. <laughs> Whoa, what is that supposed to be? Well, I mean, Vontae's perfect had a pretty good game. Interesting. A little Schrago. It wasn't even like West Heat. I don't like where well. that went. Four, four quarters of Vontez Perfect wasn't even close to what Justin Houston did in one quarter at Denver. Well, he said Mark, in person, Wes. Wes, he said of games he's been to in person. So, that's, you know, that's in fair. context, my friend. That's fair. And you, Peter is doing a great job on games. I mean, <laughs> out, I, you, know, you know, you try to help a friend out, and Wes just pulls out the knives and the axe. He said of games he's seen in person. Hey, that's why he's fair a showman. Enough. He's a showman. Apologies, Peter Schrager, who is a heck of a nice guy and good at his job. Let's move on. The Chicago West Bears backpedaling there, like <laughs> keep talking. I like Peter. Something. I don't want to get on his bad side. I like him. Um, too, too late. late. You're done. He mm. is. He's a vengeful man. <laughs> I, I, well, I now, now you're casting aspersions on his character. Notice how any of the enemies that have ever cropped up around Schrago's life have disappeared. <laughs> he yeah. doesn't like to be called Schrago either. And the <laughs> and the authorities, they don't even like look into it because they know. Oh, they they the authorities are not strong remember, enough as a group to deal with that. Remember no. the other original cast member of Good Morning Football who wore a lot of sweaters, Woody. Where, where's that guy? <laughs> Guy's gone. Woody. That guy is in the Meadowlands, underneath. Let's move on. The Chicago Bears are 3-9. and nine. 
and uh, they stink. And now they travel to Detroit to face the Lions. Look out, the Lions, after uh, a really nice effort in uh, taking down the Saints uh, at the Superdome, are 8-4, and four, leading the NFC North. And uh, I'll tell you what, Chris Wesley, is it time to believe at Motown? I think it is. And the reason why is Terrell Austin's defense. Would you believe that the Seahawks have allowed more points over the last six weeks than the Detroit Lions? Wow. Mm. The Lions have not allowed more than 20 points in a game since mid-October. Played a lot of bad defenses well, or offenses, played, but then they played New Orleans, so that kind of yeah. takes that away. Well, I think it's fair to, to doubt, okay, you stopped Blake Bortles, you stopped Brock Osweiler, you stopped the Minnesota Vikings offense twice, and now you stop the Saints, so that gives it some legitimacy. I think so too. And by it's like okay, you played some bad offenses, but what the, what we were thinking about Detroit's defense two months ago was an utter disaster. I, they have a legitimate playoff chance to you know maybe even a buy because of their defense, not just their offense. And it was I thought Matthew Stafford last week watching that Saints game. So many of the things that made him such a frustrating quarterback to watch in the past are gone. And Golden Tate, I don't know if it's you've got to not have Marvin Jones on the field, but Golden Tate did some incredible things. That one catch against Delvin Bro is Playing like a number one receiver. He leads the league in yards after the catch. He seems to do that every year. Well, they do throw him the ball. Which is crazy to think about just based on the first four weeks of the season. He also leads the league in – being pleased with himself after every play. Oh, yeah. I saw that. I yeah. That look that he, <laughs> the look that he has, like, yep, I'm awesome. Well, it's weird because Stafford this season, everyone always uses a, you know, the thing they don't say about him is his underrated athleticism. They basically, you know, announcers say that about every white quarterback basically in the league. But I think that Stafford truly does have underrated run, running skills. He's running better, and he makes so many plays running away. It's He's ranked as the fifth best or most valuable running quarterback in the league, according to QBR. Give – I know we love – do you like Cooter? I love that Cooter. Always have. You know, Bill Walsh in the 70s when he was with the Bengals, you can see this in my long form, NFL.com slash Ohio River offense. Ooh, nice. Oh, yes, good plug. Says when you gain four yards on the ground against the D, they think you're kicking their ass. When you gain four yards in the passing game against the D, they think they're kicking your ass. Four yards is four yards. I'll take it anyway mm. and get it. And Jim Bob Cooter is the logical extension of that. He has such a wide variety of passing formations and calls designed to get four to eight yards. It's the substitute for the running game, and it's one of the reasons why Stafford's having such a great year. Well, it, it, hit it. Go ahead. It's kind of like the Ravens. They have a really strong-armed quarterback with a horizontal offense, and we don't like it because it doesn't work for the Ravens, but it works for the Lions. It does. I mean, T.J. Jones, he was hitting on these quick sideline routes, and this is a team – that has not had uh, 100 yards rushing in 10 consecutive games, which is the longest Lions franchise record going back to 1935. Mm. But it doesn't really matter if you're finding a way to essentially mask that with this kind of passing. Well, and they're, they're a tough defense to think uh, on defense that they're really that exciting because they're big-time players. You know, Darius Slay is, is good, but... Z- you know, Zico Ons has had a quiet year playing a little better. They tackle lately. well. But one of the, the reasons why you don't know any of them, they had 10 different defensive linemen last week get 10 snaps in that game. Who has a 10-man rotate? No wonder you don't know any of them because they're all just in and out for 15, 20 plays, but it, it really works. It's like the, the 92 Cowboys talking about Jerry. I mean, Jimmy Johnson used to have his waves of defensive linemen, but 10? They did lose to the Bears, it's worth noting, in week four. That yes, happened. They did. And yet? 
We'll head into the third week of uh, December, barring a catastrophe. Hey, Dan. Browns 9-4, and four. yes. Uh, I just wanted to jump in here about halfway through, and we have not mentioned our lovely sponsor. Yet. Oh, terrible job. Oh, I thought you were going to lock it up, maybe, <laughs> Sydney. <laughs> that would have been something. No. Ziggy Ansah's going to finally get Here's his first thing, sack I, yeah, this year. I lock things up, and it dooms an entire season for a player. So, no, thank you. Uh, thank you for the reminder. Mr. Flames, economics class in The Hague, the Netherlands, your source. Mr. F. For all the economics needs you meet, need in that part of the country. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> What? Let's move on to the <laughs> games. All your economic needs in that part of the country. I think, I you know, Mr. F's going to be thrilled with that. He's also more global with his website, which I think you he can is. find at uh, flameclass.net. I think, honestly, uh, he mentioned that his hits on his website have gone up to such a degree that I think it's the kind of thing that, like, government sources will look at. It looks like it's a cover or a shell operation for something very nefarious when suddenly this random high school economics oh. class blows up Hits-wise. You shouldn't need your economics class to need some kind of shell operation to get you more money. Well, <laughs> that's what economics Money is made for. through shell operations. And that's why you should sign up for Mr. Flame's economics class in The Hague, the Netherlands. Mr. F. For all your needs. I just like this as a transition <laughs> into the late games. On to the late games. The New York Jets are 3-9. and nine. They stink. We all know it. They head to San Francisco to face the Niners, who have not won since um, Monday night of the first week of the season. 1-11. So uh, this is a stinker of a matchup. Greg, uh, here's my concern. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm a little you know torn as a Jet fan uh, because I want Bryce Petty to have a nice game in his uh, second start of the season, but I also would like the Jets to lose at this point and sneak really? into that top Really? What three. an indignity to lose <laughs> to the 49ers. I don't care about that. What does it gain me to win the Who game? Who remembers By in the April? Way, can I no, just you're say, right. At this point, for the Jets, bit, three win team. A little I bit of a, a recent Jets history people may have forgotten. The Jets are all lined up to get either Marcus Mariota or Jameis mm, Winston yep. a few years back and wow. won two meaningless December games at the end of the season. That Rex, cost thank you, Rex Ryan. Wow, Rex's that's a final, great... His final FU to John Idzik. That's a great call. I'm surprised. So I don't want to do that again. Yeah, no, that makes right. sense. This Jets team, it doesn't matter. Bryce Petty doesn't look good. Nick Mangold shut down for the season, it sounds like. And uh, the one thing no, I... he's going IR. In, I, the one thing I'm interested in is it's not just Revis and and some of the older players. Muhammad Wilkerson's had a disastrous year, and Sheldon Richardson's had a disastrous year. Or he's a guy last week, they I think. They benched him. That, that, that didn't even play in the second half of that game. So I'm wondering about their future. Uh, I think Wilkerson, I don't know if he's ever been right physically after the broken leg and uh, also has had some attitude issues. Richardson, I don't think he's he's going to be back. I don't. He's on the trade market, I think. Yeah. It's amazing. You had the deepest, most ferocious defensive line for years in football, and now one by one these guys are vanishing. I'm going to ask this Still question. Got Leonard Williams, though, who's having no, Leonard Williams uh, a looks big awesome. time uh, making the leap candidate that actually came through. That's true, oh, yeah. but you need more than one person along the defensive Not line. True. Just We're ask good. the Lions. They have 10 of them. 
<laughs> what were you going to say? Oh, I was uh, going to ask this question. I feel like I've asked this with the Jets with a couple in a couple different situations. Yeah. I I just don't like love the way they're built right now. Sorry, Dan, but would you, <laughs> you rather think? from scratch? You can have the Niners roster or the I like this Jets roster weekly game. Uh, well, because you always say absolutely not. I'll take the Jets roster. Because I could, you always name like the worst team in the league whenever you do this. <laughs> this is a. I think I'd have to take the Jets. I take the take, Jets. Take I the Jets. I think the 49ers might be 32 out of 32 in that department. Worse than the Browns. Yep. I don't know about that. You got, I know Joe Thomas is getting up there, but you got Joe Thomas, Corey Coleman, Terrell Pryor. You know, you got some running backs. <laughs> you got, I you mean, got Body Calhoun. We're talking, that's 31. You got Body Calhoun. There's players I like I like on the Jets. Brandon Marshall, Quincy Inunua, Leonard Williams. Uh, Eric Deckard's Darren still there. Lee, Eric Deckard, uh, Mo Wilkerson, Sheldon Richardson. Yeah. All right. Uh, what like, what Williams are the Niners and Inunua are you like this? Are are the core of your team right now? What do, What do the Niners oh, they have? Just, they have some pieces. A lot of holes, but some pieces. Yeah. Seriously, Nothing. long term. That's all I'm saying. The Niners. That was a disaster. They they ter- they handled the Jim Harbaugh thing terribly, and it seems like the the football gods have smited them ever since. Absolutely. And I don't think they're close to out of the woods. Is this the tank pool? Mm. I mean, Bryce Petty starting for one team. And then the other team, one of the best all-around football writers in the country, <laughs> sent Greg and I a message asking if we thought the 49ers tanked last week in Chicago. Thought, thought some of their, well, their really? punting and, and decision-making was like a team almost trying to Yeah, but who, who, on whose orders? Chip Kelly's not asking. Chip Kelly's not coming back most of the time. I think that who from knows? the Maybe few Chip plays Kelly I've seen, the one that's pick. a big uh, grenade to lob at a team. I just don't think Kaepernick's a snow quarterback from right, the few I don't, plays I saw. I don't think they're tanking, but. Niners much better at home than they let's, are on the road. Let's move on. Uh, Maybe not much. I don't know. Let's try to find some relevance on the schedule. The five and seven Saints, who uh, you know they had it, they had the season in their hands at home against Detroit and let it slip away. So now they're in deep, deep trouble at five and seven. They travel to Tampa to face the Bucks, and you know the Bucks are now everybody's darling. Mark Sessler at seven and five, but are they gonna are they gonna kind of come down to earth and make everybody seem silly for getting so excited about them in the last couple of weeks? I don't I don't think this is last year's Tampa Bay team in that way where they got up into the NFC wild card standings. I don't I don't see that at all. I think Winston's really over the last month been a phenomenal quarterback and I if there there's one player that I'm watching and if he's healthy and he comes back and it's Charles Sims and it allows that running game to be more versatile. You know, Dirk Cotter came out and called that that ground game out this week. I think he's that it, it's not what they had last year. So to see Winston playing the way he is without Doug Martin being Doug Martin and without Charles Sims in the lineup, that I I you know you get him back and you have Mike Evans. This this team is not going to crumble at home. I'd be concerned if it were in in New Orleans, but not at home. Well, Doug Martin didn't seem to be healthy at the end of that game. They're talking up to Quiz Rogers getting a bigger role this week. I don't see the Buccaneers making noise, making the playoffs without a Doug Martin being Doug Martin. Like maybe they go, if they, if they Doug go, or not. if they go two and two down the stretch and go nine and seven, that is a huge victory for this organization this year. Even if they go one and three and they they finish eight and eight, I, to me the expectations they've already exceeded expectations. Yeah. Well, you've don't got collapse. the if you're the Bucks, you've got the Saints game, you have got the Cowboys. Then you, I don't like when they do this. You got the Saints again. Yeah. 
Yawn. And then um, then you got the Panthers to close it out. That's bo- three games right there that you could, if you're the better, if you're the team people think you are, you win those three games, Here's, three to four. Here is a, a big stat that explains their turn, partly explains their turnaround for the media guide. The Buccaneers have a plus 12 turnover differential yep. since week five. That's the best in the league. Uh, in the first uh, four weeks, negative nine, which is 31st in the league. So they completely turned that on. I, th- I think you'd see most the teams in the league flip their win-loss to, to some degree when you see that kind of a turnover split. Well, that game flipped on a bad call when Hargraves absolutely interfered with Tyrell Williams yeah. on Levante David's pick six, and they got away with a game, game-changing game call. And they got away with a drop from Travis Benjamin on one of the best throws of the year by Phillip Rivers that yep. would have been an 80-yard touchdown. A little bit of luck, but uh, I think the turnovers, you have to give Mike Smith some credit, their defensive coordinator. That's what he did in Atlanta, too. They always force turnovers. It's kind of playing that safe defense, that old Bears style, and it's working. And let's give a little credit to Mark Ortega's boy, Gerald McCoy. Tried to make the case that he was better than Aaron Donald. Uh, getting... Tego works on our desk downstairs yes. for people that don't know him personally. <laughs> yeah. Well, or follow yeah. his excellent uh, music blog. Oh, yeah. Give him a follow on Twitter. He's great on music. Yeah, he is great. Gerald McCoy is playing like a superstar the last five or six weeks, so he deserves a little love. We've seen a lot of quarterbacks, young quarterbacks, compared to a young Big Ben over the last few years. I like Greg in his quarterback index compared to Jameis Winston, and I see that every time I watch him play because he shakes off sackers so easily in the pocket, so routinely. He waits until late in the down to throw the ball or wait in the play, late in the play to throw the ball. And he attacks downfield like Big Ben did when he was younger. I see so many. I think he's one of those guys like you hear Big Ben in in the clubhouse. Any kind of game you take out, he's winning that game. Cornhole, free th- made up free throw shooting. He's just a natural athlete. People say Winston doesn't seem as athletic as some other quarterbacks. I bet he's one of the best athletes in the league. Mm. Maybe not from a leaping and running standpoint, but just an incredible innate athlete. And if people, you know, if you you want to get on Blake Bortles, you got to wonder where his head's at. Lately, it doesn't seem like Blake Bortles is advertised as sort of an all-in type dude who lives, eats, breathes, sleeps football. Winston Blake Bortles like had this come back around on me. Well, no, but <laughs> well, leave me alone. Not better, not safe. But that's a guy who I think a lot Win of people. Win a game, Blake. In the last summer, people would have said yeah. maybe you take Blake Bortles over over Jameis Winston. Some people and Winston though from day one, and we don't care about this much as coaches do, and as much as they care about the locker rooms, they say this guy's leadership is second to none. Oh, we care. Oh, and remember the biggest bust on him or knock on him going into the draft is that he was a knucklehead. That's the thing. I mean, the way he was stole crab legs and all these other things that were going on behind the scenes. And yet, uh, some some more serious things as well. Some allegations that he faced, but he's turned into a guy. It seems like. Uh, a real leader in that uh, locker room. And despite all that, this is a pick'em game. I know the Saints are coming off just about their worst performance of the year. They have not been a different team on the road and home this year. They've been basically the same team. And th- these are two evenly matched teams. It would not. It would not surprise me to see the Saints knock them off. Two two things, and then we'll move on to the next game. Mark Ortega's blog, which is that very good. He goes to more concerts than anyone I know. Past the Co, Augs O U X. And number two, I liked it much better. Uh, when West didn't like Jameis Winston, and there was a lot of heat. And now never... you're coming around on him, and now you guys, all the scientists are kumbaya together. And I liked it better when there was heat. That was all you stirring the pot. I never disliked Jameis Winston. I just didn't think he sh- he Mark, had to be mentioned there, every time Mario. Mario well, there was certainly schism at I one point. I don't know if it was a bit, but there was certainly podcast heat, and we've got the tape to prove it. So you know, yes, you guys are getting along more, and it's bad for yeah, the show. Are, yeah, you guys are having like it's a very bad for, for the show. Now. 
Sorry, they're both I, they're both playing too well. What, how could how can you? Well, uh, find something else to get mad at each other. Sorry, about. I complimented Drake's quarterback index, which involves twenty or so hours of work, writing, and watching, and is done spectacularly right. every week. Is there anyone else's back like we want to slap? We've got we're getting down on the desk. <laughs> we're doing it for each other. Anything else it's we want to do before we get on to the next? Got a lot game? of service today. Colts <laughs> website. Anyone else? <laughs> The uh, excellent work on that Colts <laughs> website. The Atlanta Falcons are seven and five. Um, they are coming off a twenty nine twenty eight loss to Kansas City, a wretched loss on a two point conversion run back. Oh my God, what a loss! And now they travel to Los Angeles to face the Rams. And you know, Wes, I'll say this: Go watch this game live, Wes. Falcons got to be careful here. <laughs> no, thank you. Falcons got to be careful here. And I know that no, they don't. They're favorite here. I'm saying they've now lost enough of these close games. Now they're seven and five. They're not. They're not totally safe here. They need to, to pick up some wins and get into safe playoff position. They're fine. They're facing off against like Bryce Petty's older brother this week or something. <laughs> the number one pick in the draft. Right. Bryce you Petty. hate prospects. That's that's what. No, I don't like bad quarterbacking. It's like I I make it make a decision on the quarterback. Don't give them a chance to develop. They stink. All right. I got you, Wes. Hey, you you pick the Rams to win every week and see how you do. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Stand behind Jeff Fisher. I don't think anybody understands the extent of the dysfunction in this franchise. Read Albert Breer's column on Monday Monday, Monday Morning Quarterback. He seems to. Really got it. It's, it's being talked about behind the scenes as uh, L.A. Junior High, Rams Junior High right now. Let's talk about some of the investments they've made. They trade for Nick Foles, who has the worst QBR in the league. They start Case Keenum, who has the worst QBR in the league. They trade a windfall for Jared Goff, who's worse than Case Keenum and has the worst QBR in the league. They trade up. They tr- they select Todd Gurley. They select Trey Mason. They select Isaiah Pede. They have no running game. They have the worst rushing attack in the league. They select Tra- Tavon Austin. They trade up for him. He's one of the least productive wideouts in the league, one of the most overpaid players in the league. Are these bad players or is it bad coaching? Because I think there's some talent on this team, and they continue to put out the worst players at the position on offense every single year, no matter who's coordinating this attack. They made one point, though, that Jeff Fisher keeps hiring – Ultra inexperienced yes. play callers, and it's not just play callers. Your coordinator runs the show, runs meetings, and it goes down. If you don't have an experienced coordinator, you don't hire experienced position coaches underneath them. And then where is the development? It's not that these players are poor. You know, we see other teams do this. You take trash off someone else's roster, and suddenly that player—that's coaching. That's right. In the in, in the Rams on offense, on defense, yes, on offense. No, there's no developmental players happening. And, that, and that's, you know, they talk about Fisher's asset is kind of a leader of men, you know, stability atop an organization. But part of that, you know, such a big part of that is hiring the right people. And he, he's, he's hired coaches that have led the team to vi- very last place in first downs, yards, and points. My question is, years. you're one of the longest tenured coaches in the league. And why would you not have the ability to get one of the better play callers. Yeah, Why would weird. you not be getting the pristine, premier offensive guys that want to come in and pair with what you bring on defense? It just looks very suspect Rob, over the last couple seasons. Rob Boris didn't quite pass the smell test when watching Hard Knocks this season. I don't know enough about his schemes to say that he's a good or bad offense coordinator, but it's not working out. Uh, the previous offensive coordinator was a private eye that they uh, asked to be a football coach. Obviously, Frank that's Signetti. not going to work out. Frank Signetti, private eye. Um, and 
prior to that, I believe it was uh, Shotty, right? Brian, Brian Schottenheimer, Schottenheimer, who is nobody's example of a, a, a shining light uh, in, in schemes, but you know, at least he had some experience. Well, it's worth noting Julio Jones' status is up in the air as we're taping this. I mean, that's a that's a pretty that's pretty important. Mohamed Sanu's status is up in the air as we're taping this. I, I mean, I think the Falcons are going to find a way to win this game. Maybe it's Vic Beasley, uh, Wes, who you had on your your guys who deserved a first time uh, Pro Bowl nod. Another another thing. Why is it not their there. offense that but, gave up forty something points to the, when the Rams gave up forty something points two weeks ago? And and honestly, we're just run, watching the Patriots against the Rams. They just ran right through them. I I don't think the Falcons should have any problem with this game. No, I agree, but if if Julio and Sanu are both out, that that's a factor. The that's Falcons a factor lost, on the road. Falcons lost last week for two reasons. They blew their chances, and the Chiefs created chances. They got out coached was the second reason. Andy Reid out coached Dan Quinn. Uh, here's the Sunday uh, Fox game of the week: the Seattle Seahawks eight three and one. Uh, but now without Earl Thomas, who's out for the year after suffering suffering a fracture of his lower leg. Uh, travel to Green Bay to face the Packers, who are um, uh, looking a lot better uh, these days now, 6-6. Six and six, but, six, but this is a big test right here, Greg Rosenthal. Uh, can the Packers sustain it against a good Seahawks team playing without one of their very best players? I, I am really excited for this game, more so than the, than the Sunday night game. Not that that's some bold statement. I mean, this is a, a rematch of one of the all-time playoff collapses. It's a, it's a matchup, really, of the best two teams in the NFC this decade, uh, two fr- you know, organizations. And there's a lot, there's more at stake in this game because the Packers, they got it. They got to get this one, and this is an ultimate test of of Aaron Rodgers playing this well. But you got to go up against a defense that I know they don't have Earl Thomas, but you're getting career year out of KJ Wright. Probably KJ Wright and Wagner have never been any better as a twosome together. Cliff Averill too. You know, you got Bennett back. Averill, you got plenty going on here to shut down any offense, and so it's just a great test of a, a great player in Rodgers who's kind of peaking against this defense. I think when I leave this industry, it will be out of frustration for things like people obsessing over Cam Newton's tie in this game. (laughs) When you've got Thomas Rawls and Tyler Lockett explosive playing like they did in 2015, that should have been the story of this night because that's good football. And now the Seahawks might have their most explosive offense of the Russell Wilson era. And and you're right. I was thinking if Rawls – Rawls looked great in that game, just his movement – He's almost the second or third most valuable guy in that team at this point because if you lose him, you're just taking away this whole element. But now it feels like they've got their running game back with him, which is just massive. And Lockett played through an MCL early in the year. He was not explosive until this game. He's all the way back now. They've got so many weapons. Jimmy Graham, Doug Baldwin is always one of the most underrated players in the league. This is this going to be a tough game for the Packers. I have already relinquished the fact you guys can preview it and review it when it's over. I already know Green Bay is going to the playoffs and they're going to win this game. <laughs> wow. Wait, weren't you the same guy who like Total three or four weeks ago said the Packers were done, you were done with them? But exactly. Like I, I realized that <laughs> oh, they're campaign, here to torture you. It was, you know, no I was I was wishing that to happen and it won't. They are making the playoffs. Uh, the Seahawks, by the way, was kind of snuck up on me a little bit. The Seahawks clinched the NFC West. With a win here and an Arizona loss, so they are they have uh, hmm. everything they're, to play for. And they're playing for that bye. Bye is yep. massive. Huge. I know yes, they're not going to get the one seed, but they can they can get the bye. We haven't even mentioned the biggest story of this game: revenge game. Revenge game. You knew where I was going. 
Kristen Michael revenge. Sea Woke is back. Oh, no. Sea Woke takes out the Seahawks in his, in his final act as you a what? superhero. I'm at what the a point. guy. I would be fine with less Kristen Michael storylines. How about this? I mean, enough with I won't guys. talk about Victor Cruz ever again. If Sea Woke doesn't do anything in this game, if you guys stop talking about this That's guy. fair. He looked okay last week. When I know that well, numbers were It's hard great, to tell in the snow, but he certainly was more explosive than James Starks. And they gave him more carries than anyone else. I mean, he'll run for 1,400 yards in the CFL, and we'll do, be doing news items on the guy. You guys, I, you guys are big Seawoke fans. I, I'm, I'm sticking by him. I've got a, I've got a theory. The, the Packers should root for it to snow for this game. Because I okay. feel like Aaron Rodgers, if you're thinking of a quarterback the same you thing. want in the snow, just kind of making things up, running around as you go, Aaron Rodgers is the guy Well, you yeah, want. one thing we said Sunday night, that all these other players were slipping in that game, and he was he seemed absolutely fine in that snowy in the snowy footing. I like having Aaron Rodgers back. And, and Jordy Nelson back. I, I know the numbers have been okay throughout the season, but I, I really feel like he's starting to look Good a little week. more like himself. That, his... that leaping catch he had at the yeah. end of last week's game was... Aaron was... Rodgers has not lost a home game in December since 2008 when Greg was 23. I have in my notes right here. <laughs> Rogers arm strength off. Where are you going with that? That I'm young? I wish. Rogers arm strength off back foot on Adams throw. Wow. All weather QB off balance throw to Jordy. No issues with the elements. That was impressive. Aaron Rodgers last week. Let's check in on the uh, the notebooks. Mark, no notebook this yet. You just have. I, what I do is for this, for this I bring it. I don't. I I can't read my own writing, so I just. That is some ex- impressive in prep work. It's crazy. Highlighted work. It's great. And uh, Wes, your journal is looking immaculate. As pretty always. good. Pretty good Leather handwriting. Metal. What do you? Very nice. Really nice handwriting. No shakes uh, at all. Clearly, very straight. Uh, Greg's. Uh, I now have some note Greg's cards look, in addition. It looks like a madman. Your note oh. cards are much better handwriting than normal. Yeah, I just write in all caps if I really <laughs> want to be able to read it. I'm- <laughs> Uh, let's uh, talk Sunday night football. The Dallas Cowboys 11-1. Wow, that's a, that's a long winning streak. 11 straight now for the Cowboys. And now they play the only team uh, that has beaten the Cowboys this year. And it was the New York Giants, who are 8-4. Uh, the Giants uh, came down to earth against Pittsburgh last week, a 24-14 loss. The, the, the Cowboys, as Greg was getting all excited about, really struggled uh, to move the ball against Minnesota, but that, that's that been a rarity this season. They've b- basically done what they wanted almost against everybody else. So I love this game, Mark Sessler. Uh, how do you see it? Well, I think it's fascinating how how different this matchup is than what we saw in, early in the year when these teams played, and we didn't really know what the Dallas Cowboys would become. I I don't see any issue for Dallas to win this game. We've asked the Cowboys week after week, to come up against opponent A, B, or C, deal with whatever the team's strength is, and come out on the other side before they you know, prove to us that, that they're the NFC's best team. I think at this point it's all very clear to us that they are. And they're probably, you know, you're dealing with a Giants team that doesn't have Jason Pierre-Paul. And the Cowboys at Big this loss. point, it's a huge loss. It's a huge loss, and the Cowboys are running the ball consistently week after week. Greg, you weren't you weren't in love with they with what they did against the Ravens, but I'm just saying the Ravens did about as good a job as anyone containing Elliott for it, about until the last few minutes. And the point is, I mean, if that's containing the Cowboys, that's not enough to beat the Cowboys. And so I I just I think Dallas takes care of business here, and the Giants, according to Wes, are heading you know big time south as it is. <laughs> They're gonna wish they were in the south because winter. 
<laughs> is upon us. Good. Good Winter way. is well here. Done, that was good. Winter is here to the extent that. Oh my gosh. What? This, this, are you going to? Wait. This lock is going to be lit. I'm locking it up. <laughs> the showman. <laughs> All right. The lock is lit. <laughs> everyone clearly feeling the pressure. Feeling the heat. Week. Feeling the heat. Uh, you like the Dallas Cowboys in a lock. You know, that's that's fair. That's fair. But I see this as a close game. I don't know if I could pick the Giants. That's that. That would be real ballsy to pick the Giants. Well, if you were, to, if you were, what would be uh, here the we reason? Go. Here's the strength of the Giants' defense uh, is against the run. They're ranked fifth in the league against the run. So Max has been good. Slow down uh, doesn't surprise me. Slow down Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, it is in prime time at Giants Stadium. I don't. I don't imagine the Giants are going to get the doors blown off in that in that scenario. And yeah, as big as a problem as Eli uh, has had at times this season, uh, do would it blow my mind if Odell Beckham had a big game here under the lights against the Cowboys, mm. and we're we're staring at a a really good game in the fourth quarter? I see it as a close game, and I'd probably pick the Cowboys because the Cowboys are great this year. But I don't think this will be a cakewalk. I, I think this is om- this could be the last truly big game left for the Cowboys if they win. If they win, I mean, they could end up clinching home field this week with a few things breaking their way. Certainly by next week, it's only a matter of time. Uh, And I I think they're going to be so up for this game. I think this is a really important month for the Cowboys to continue playing at their extremely high level. And I have no reason to think that they won't do it in this game. And I think they'll want to prove after last week's game against Minnesota that they can get back on track offensively. It's two straight games where their formula has not been there for them. In the last two games, the other team has had the time of possession win 33-27. to 27. In the last two games, the Redskins and the Vikings had 20 more plays each. They won the games. They deserve credit. Dak Prescott keeps making the, the right decisions, but that's not their formula because their defense just isn't that good. I think they want to get back to doing what they do, and I think they can do it. I think they can dominate even a very good Giants defense. I mean, it's such a – to win, if this becomes a 12-game win streak – that is remarkable. It should be a Cowboys franchise record, which is saying a lot considering how decorated this franchise has been. I think along the way, you're going to win some games that pull you out of your, for- your sure, formula. but you don't want to end the season with five or six like that. Totally agree. you got the Buccaneers next week if you're, Cow- if you're Cowboys, then the Lions and the Eagles. That The next two weeks are not easy, and they're not in a threat to lose the number one seed necessarily, but if the Seahawks cleaned house down the stretch. Dallas is not – they can't coast yet. They've got they've got to probably seal up the next two. I really don't think people realize the extent to which the Giants' offense is broken. We talk about Odell Beckham because he's the face of that offense. This offense ranks with the Browns and Bears. They're 30th in the NFL since, mid-season, since week six. Hmm. They're broken. And they're trying to take deep shots. I, I, the last few weeks, I've, I've watched them. Certainly in the Cleveland game, they have one of the like, worst they, deep, they're, they're, deep offenses in the league. They're just—they're trying to take deep shots because I think they realize that they can't survive in ding and dunk. But they're not—they don't hit any of them. They're just, but they, Eli's oh. arm isn't there. I mean, do you think anything has to do with teams realizing that the Giants run eleven personnel on essentially ninety-eight percent of their plays this season? That maybe they're easier to prepare for than some of these teams that show you so many different looks. I think you'd have to ask a coach or player that. I, I really don't know. Or Dan. I know because they would have <laughs> mixed up their personnel if they thought it was a major problem. Bingo. There's your answer. Wow. I'm a coach. 
Nicely deduced. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, finally, a little Monday night football. The Baltimore Ravens, 7-5, and five, uh, just dismantled uh, the, the Miami uh, Dolphins in week 13, and now they have a big test ahead of them. They travel to Gillette Stadium to face the Pats, who are 10-2, and two, Chris Wessling. Um, this is a game where the, the Pats will not have Rob, Rob Gronkowski, but they're still the Pats, and that's why you love them in this game, don't you, Wes? I don't. Oh! I don't. <laughs> I'm, I love this game. I'm looking forward to this game big time. I think it's going to be a fun one to watch. I think it could be a preview of January, but only if the Ravens win because they have to win this game. And the Patriots do not want to see the Ravens in January. No. Because this Ravens team is number one in the NFL in a lot of defensive categories. They're coming off their best offensive game in the year, and there's reasons to believe that that offense is about to break out because we've been waiting for it all year. They have the talent. The offensive line is finally healthy. The veteran receivers are playing well. Brashad Perryman has been inches away from big plays. Had a big play last week. I think I think this Ravens team is for real right now, and they're hitting their stride. Yeah, they need to show that that was a sign of things to come last week because it looked like a team getting unlocked. Then again, you know, we've what we've seen for 11 weeks, you, you can't just ignore that. But this team, to me, has such a high ceiling because the players are there, and the defense is absolutely there. So if the players on offense just get them to be average – I, to me, they're as good as any AFC. Team. And the be- the best kicking game in the league, yep. which we should not overlook in close games in December. Justin Tucker is having a historically great season this year. Uh, not only has not missed any kicks, is burying kicks from 50 yards on a weekly basis now. So that could be a major factor. And the kicker on the other side of New England, we're going to see what happens with him down yeah. the stretch. He's been a problem this well, year. Well, he played – he had a good game last week, and it and – I know it was against the Rams, but obviously for a kicker, it doesn't matter. They had a lot of encouraging performances from guys that they want to see play Jabal better down the, down the stretch. Jabal Sheard, uh, Guskowski had a really good game, which was nice to see. It's been a while. Uh, Rob Ninkovich, who's been very quiet this year, had a good How's team. your boy Barkevia Smingo doing? He doesn't do anything. <laughs> and uh, Kyle Van Noy, guy they got from Detroit, has been a big factor for them. So they've had some people. You gave Marcus come victory there. That was a victory for Mark. The oh, most. Yeah. He, he's nothing. He's a special teamer. The most encouraging performance out of everyone was Malcolm Mitchell, that you can see Tom Brady yep. trust him. And with Gronk out, he's being targeted as much as anyone. Also, he's all- great. He's a, I got a, a little excited over Kembrell Tompkins when he was a rookie. Yes. This could be the best uh, outside receiver they've drafted. Malcolm in a Mitchell long time. is going to have a playoff game where he crosses the 200-yard barrier. Whoa. They're going to find ways to beat teams. And so I, Look at you. you know no Amendola, by love, the way, I, which I, is a loss. I appreciate. Oh, that's right. They got Griff Whalen. No, I appreciate all this. All this Ravens uh, praise. I will not tolerate the Ravens going to the Super it's Bowl. Like I will not against tolerate it. It's almost like you have. Some I have already been there to see them win a Super Bowl. It's not happening again this, on my watch. This defense is <laughs> enough. Is Super Bowl worthy? People, there's a perception that this isn't as great as some of those old Ravens defenses. Well, it's not as great as the 2000 sure, Ravens defense. Sure, but in terms of a lot of the great Ravens defenses, it's there. In terms of the run defense, it's historically good, and it's because their top players maybe aren't as as sexy. But they, they have such incredible depth, like their seventh starter, their eighth best defensive starter, their ninth best player. Tavon Young, who's a, a fourth round rookie, is playing incredible. Zach Orr is playing better than C.J. Mosley. Timmy Jernigan, like Easy. they just got people coming, coming out of the Maybe Ozzie Newsome was tiring of He's, hearing about John Elway as the yeah. best GM over and over. He said, I'm going to quietly rebuild this defense. They're deep as hell. Ladarius Webb had one of the best interceptions of the year. It's just like every guy's a factor. I don't want to be reckless here, but I'm going to connect the dots a little bit. 
Mark just threatened the Ravens and has been on record saying that there will be no final in Super Bowl 51. Oh, okay. I also threatened <laughs> wow. to build a train called the Mouser using the Mouser. A, scattered Patri- a scattered Ravens franchise to pay for this train that goes from essentially Los Angeles to where? To Huckapoos for West, right? Ivy Island. That was actually that was last year's Christmas gifts. We had did a Secret Santa. Um, that was Mark's gift to West. We'll do that again. We're going to run that back uh, at the end of this month for Christmas. Time. You know what, Mark? That was a more thoughtful gift than any of my ex-girlfriends have ever given me. Well, I mean, probably not unlike your ex-girlfriends. The gift doesn't actually exist yet, so... <laughs> Let's pick this game and the score, Mark, and then we're going home. Mm. Patriots, 38. Ravens, 3. <laughs> Wes. <laughs> Ravens, 24. Patriots, 20. Wow. 20. Just 20. I love it. But I'm afraid I love of it. And I love it. The Patriots will fall, 27-24. <laughs> the Ravens are hot and getting hotter. I don't feel good about this one. You guys know my rules. I don't pick against the Patriots. So so they win uh, 21-8-17. But I, I don't like Martellus Bennett's not healthy. Eric Rowe, who's been their starting quarterback, he's not healthy. Got that, Griff that Whittle, helps. though. Listen, he's played okay. Got Griff. Their offensive line, I wanted to say, it has been getting yeah. better throughout the season, and they're going to need it. The yeah. Ravens are going to lose. They're going to be 7-6. and six, And two weeks from now, when they lose to the Steelers, mm. we're going to be singing a different tune in this room. You'll be singing. Yes, I will. How about you actually sing if the Patriots uh, beat them on Sunday and then they lose again to the Steelers? Will you sing for us that yes. Sunday night? Yes. You have to. Sure. Not for a long period of time, but I'll sing a few okay. notes. There you go. I mean, have new money sing your part. I mean, Sydney is really the breakout singer of this group. She now charges for that because everything is about money for her now. It's ridiculous. You're right. You're right. Um, no, we, you, I, I can't thought, do that stuff for free, please. I want. It would be great if now, if all our interactions with Sydney, she's in song. You know, <laughs> it's like a musical. I feel like that would People maybe get annoying after a while, but I love the idea as well. I maybe thought you were going to say. Hit up Lin Manuel Miranda. Get him some, to write me some raps from Hamilton. <laughs> so he'll just. I'll rap everything from here on out. Are you listening, Lin Manuel? <laughs> I thought you were going to say if all of our interactions have to go through her agent now. Said that too. Yeah. Her money that guy. goes without saying. All right, we'll be back on Sunday night, our flagship show where we recap all the games that we just previewed. Thanks to everyone uh, for listening, and uh, make sure you leave comments and uh, stars uh, on the iTunes page. Uh, it means a lot and makes a difference. Let's go home. This is Dan Hansis. Well, we're not going home. Maybe Mark's going home. Signing off for Quiet Storm. <laughs> The mailman, the boss, and new money behind the glass. Till Sunday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.